if you were to randomize the pitch, the note of a waveform, uh, do you know what that would sound like? <laughs> For folks at home, that that wasn't a clip. That was that was that was, that was demonstrating. <laughs> Let's Learn Everything, the show where we learn anything and everything interesting. Today we'll be covering a science topic, answering a question, and then hopping into a miscellaneous topic. My name is Tom, and I've researched the main science topic for today, which is the history, the psychology, and the technology of randomness. What does that mean? I'm so intrigued. Okay. What does it mean? Or should I say waffles? Lol, random. <laughs> Thanks, I hate it. <laughs> I am Ella. <laughs> Apparently I'm a robot today. <laughs> and I am covering today's question topic. And the question I am asking you two is, what happens if we don't sleep? Ooh, okay. Interesting. I know. I know it's bad. It's bad. Um, and my name is Caroline, and I'm doing the miscellaneous topic this week, which is going to be about Stardew Valley. Yeah, oh, delightful. <laughs> or is it delightful? You'll see. Oh, dark Stardew. This is great. You can cover both by just uh, staying up all night and not playing Stardew Valley, and you can answer both questions at the same time. <laughs> Two birds, one stone. <laughs> Let's get into it. So the main topic today is the history, psychology, and technology of randomness. So what is y'all's familiarity with randomness? And I know it's kind of vague, but I interpret that how you will. Um, I, uh, I saw actually a really interesting TikTok today. This is a bit of a tangent about how Spotify has like the shuffle button. And it was so random that it wasn't random enough for people listening. Because obviously with randomness, Wild. it would create like pockets of the same artist because that's how randomness works. Yeah. And people were getting angry about it because it was like, it doesn't feel random enough. So Spotify <laughs> had to change the algorithm. So it's not actually random anymore. This is messed up, bro. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, well, that's definitely something we're going to be covering is that randomness is very, very unintuitive to mm -hmm. people. Um. But the interesting thing is that randomness has been a part of human culture since before written history. So the talus bone or the ankle bones of hooved animals are very roughly cube shaped uh, and they were thought to be used and still are used for fortune telling. It's known as astragalomancy. Uh, and they were also used for games because they can be rolled like dice. Ooh. And they've been found across so many cultures around the world. Um, and I just think it's so indicative of something about humans, right? There's something that is so a part of us that when humans found this kind of barely square bone from an animal across cultures, across a planet, we were like, oh, this is useful, right? Like, this is something that we can do something with. Uh, and the fact that thousands and thousands of years later, dice are still both iconic and functional 
you know, I mean, they've gotten more properly cube shaped, but the principle is the same, right? You you throw it and then you you see where it lands. Like it almost reminds me of uh, fermentation, right? Like fermentation is, is sort of it's like an ancient uh, practice that's found across almost every culture on the on the planet, but it's also still something we do in modern times, right? It, it speaks to something about humans. Uh, and I think the same thing can be said for randomness. I mean, um, fermentation like occurs in nature. So humans were always going to find that, you know, it's like how, you know, animals get drunk off of fermented stuff. But I guess in the same way you're saying about the, the, the dice, the foot, the foot dice. I was going to say, does randomness also occur in nature? So we'll, we'll be taking a look into that. Um, so, what what is it about randomness and, and what is more importantly let's zoom back like what is it useful for uh because nowadays we use randomness a lot um as i'm sure both of you know it's extremely useful in science for randomized studies surveys you know creating random stimuli basically anytime you want to have a decision made without human bias uh you will use randomness and it's super helpful there um, it's vital for any high-level simulation of physics or artificial intelligence. Um, randomness is also used in governance. In there, it's called sortition. You know, this is how ancient Athens famously was governed. They would, uh, you know, have a pool of of potential politicians, and then they would randomly pick them. Uh, and this is also still how jurors are selected to this day, randomly. Randomness is also a critical component of cryptography, uh, which most of the modern internet relies on using randomness to secure communication. But randomness also has a lot of fun and interesting uses too. Uh, and one of my favorites is a trick that you can do with audio. So I'll play Yay. some little clips here. If you were to randomize the pitch, the note of a waveform, uh, do you know what that would sound like? Sorry. Yes, exactly. <laughs> For folks at home, that that wasn't a clip. That was that was that was, that was Ella, Ella demonstrating. Um, and, and in a way, you're right. But if you if you sped that up, um, what that would sound like is this. Ah, white noise. Yeah, which or or static. Oh. Because that's exactly what static is on on a radio or a TV. It's it's a random signal noise being processed into audio. And it also sounds like a white noise machine, which are really helpful for some folks. But what's really neat is that if you shorten that white noise like this into little into little bloops, uh and then you pitch it downwards like this and then you mix them together <laughs> yeah i feel like we got got that <laughs> it, it it sounds like it sounds like a drum basically uh and that is actually how um chiptune drums used to work on on old video game consoles they would literally randomize the pitch and that sounds percussive and that was a way to simulate a drum sound when you had not a lot of uh memory to do so uh, and i think that's, that's delightful so cool. i actually i actually recognize that as a sound i've heard in like yeah video games that's very cool so randomness is surprisingly useful to us but what's really what's really interesting is that while uh creating randomness from dice or from computers is relatively easy 
being random, being consciously random, choosing to be random is actually really deceptively difficult. And I think this is a really interesting example of that. Are you familiar uh, with the concept of the infinite monkey theorem? The idea that if there's an infinite number of monkeys with an infinite number of typewriters, they'll oh, I see. write, they'll write Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Is that it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's exactly it. Um, did you know that in 2002, people actually tried this in real life? How, how, how does one get an infinite number of monkeys? <laughs> yeah, they got a great grant that got them infinite monkeys in infinite time. I really wish I had. They're still going um, now. In 2002, the University of Plymouth Media Lab got a computer into the macaque monkey habitat in a zoo for a month. Uh, and would you, one of y'all like to read what was produced? Yes. Oh, yes, yes please. <laughs> Two households, both alike in dignity, in fair Verona, where we lay our scene. Oh, my scene. God. Oh, my God, From they did it. Grunt, it was... <laughs> I literally read two households and I was like, wow. No. Actually... Yeah, yeah, I was just like, oh my god. I like, no. Wow, good for them. Uh, let me send you the actual, the actual thing. How many monkeys were there first? Uh, I forget how many there were in the habitat, but they were there for a month they had the computer. Okay. <laughs> a month. This is a month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say it gets really spicy when she gets to the S's. Goes on like this for some time, maybe three, two, three pages. We've got some. We've got. More S's, G's, more S's, Q's, lots of Q's. Q, 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 It just moves on to... So, Carolyn, how would you, how would you describe what, what this looks like? Uh, a mess? Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's definitely not random. So, so that's the interesting thing. It is a mess, but there's, I think, an entire two pages that are just the letter S. Yeah. So it turns out that the real mistake in the infinite monkey theorem is the assumption that monkeys can be random, right? You know, in, in Carolyn's description of the infinite monkey theorem, you didn't even mention that they were supposed to be typing randomly. That was just sort of assumed. Um, when, in fact, uh, you know, I, I think because randomness seems so simple, we assume that it's easy to just, like, choose to be random, uh, when in fact that's really difficult, as, as evidenced by this. Like, the, the output that they actually produce is, is not random. It, it's very, very consistent. It's messy, but it, it, it's, it's not random. And it turns out it's not just difficult for monkeys, um, it's difficult for humans as well. Uh, so let's talk about just how bad humans are at being random, because they're, they're very bad. So there's been many studies that show that humans are bad at being random uh, when they are asked to be. There's a really succinctly titled paper from 2008 called Humans Cannot Consciously Generate Random Number Sequences. Okay. They asked people to make a list of random numbers, and they found that people tend to pick numbers that are next to each other, like 3, 4, 9, 8. Um, and they were also 
uh, unlikely to repeat numbers because that doesn't seem random, which is exactly what, uh, Carolyn, you were talking about with uh, the, the Spotify random feature not seeming random enough. You know, but if you, if you never repeat a number, that's even less random, right? If you never mm-hmm. repeat a song or an artist, that's even less, right? Imagine every time you flipped a coin, it never repeated the same thing twice. That would, that's not random. Do you guys, I don't know, especially might remember this, there was a Darren Brown thing... And Darren he, Brown is is a like a magician, basically. Yeah, He's an yeah. illusionist in the UK. Yeah. Um, so okay. he did a thing where he was like, if I can get this coin to land on heads ten times in a row, it's magic. Because like, obviously you don't think that that's possible. And he showed this little clip and it was him doing it ten times in a row. And he was like, oh my god, it's magic. And then later on he was like, actually, we were there for five hours filming <laughs> me flipping a coin over and over again until it eventually randomly flipped it and it landed heads 10 times in yeah time. yeah a part of part of randomness is the chance for these um odd things to ha- happen and when humans try to pretend to be random they they try too hard which is really interesting uh there's another great paper from 1976 <laughs> titled well I'll read the paper after because it spoiled it. Uh, But basically, they asked 558 people to say the first number that came to their minds. And can you can you guess what happened? A bunch of them said the same number. Did they all say seven? So 28% of people said seven. Oh, seven? Why seven? (laughs) I would say seven too. (laughs) Yep. So the the title of the paper is "The Predominance of Seven and the Apparent Spontaneity of Numerical Choices." Um. You know, I, I think these examples are, are, are a little tough because, like, it, it, it's, it's numbers, so that's even, even harder to, to sort of logic around. Um, but there's, there's one example of humans failing at randomness that is just <laughs> appallingly bad. Um, so humans are so bad at being random that there is an optimal strategy for rock, paper, scissors. Yes, I know this. I mean, I can't remember the specific strategy, but I know that if someone does yeah. something that you should... There is always a, like a move that you should do afterwards because they're always yes. gonna. I don't know. Well, well, uh, well, well, we'll teach you all the 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 pro strats here. So there's a study uh, that was done by Wang, Zhu, and Zhou from 2014. Uh, they had 360 students play 300 round games of rock paper scissors with each other, uh, and again. To be clear, there should be no dominant strategy in Rock, Paper, Scissors because it's, it's a random game and the games are independent, right? The outcome of one game doesn't affect the outcome of the other in theory. Uh, but there's a quote from uh, Hannah Fry on the subject that I love. Uh, Humans are quite predictably irrational. Um, so it turns out that typically when someone wins in Rock, Paper, Scissors, they're more likely to continue with whatever they chose. This is called the hot hand fallacy. You know, it's the idea that if you're on a streak, keep doing what you're doing. But when someone loses in rock, paper, scissors, they're more likely to change. Um, and this is the gambler's fallacy. It's the idea that, you know, if you flip a coin over and over and it lands heads, you know, the next time it's got to be tails, right? You're, you're like due for tails. And so knowing that people believe these two things, you can form a strategy that leverages that. Um, and so the strategy is, if you win, play what your opponent just played. And if you lose, play whatever didn't come up between the two of you. And yeah, it's just... (laughs) So there's another interesting observation about these these two fallacies, uh, which is that the the hot hand fallacy has to do with the self, right? It's like, I'm on a streak. 
I should keep going. Whereas the gambler's fallacy has to do with the object or the other agent, right? The other person's obviously going to change, or like the roulette wheel is due for a red or a black. Um, and there's a lot of uh, theories in psychology about what's happening here. But the point is that there is a deep psychology to it all, right? That's interfering with our ability to be randomness or our ability to be random. Uh, which is probably why randomness was so often given personification of, you know, a deity of luck back when we were rolling bones. You know, we're so deeply reasoned and pattern-finding animals that we often ascribe meaning to randomness. Mm -hmm. um, and this, this tendency is called uh, apophenia, um, and it, it can be dangerous at times. You know, it's how you get conspiracy theories where, you know, uh, 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 something random happens or some 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 chance occurrence happens and you you feel that there's some deeper meaning to it when sometimes there there is no there is no meaning you know i i think our need to find order can blind us to the truth that some things in the world are the way they are for no reason um so it, it's it's a habit that we have to be aware of that we do sometimes is 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 overly put meaning on things um but while that can be bad um i and i am kind of dogpiling on how bad humans are at randomness <laughs> um i will say most of the time our intuition to find patterns and things steers us right um there's a quote from steven pinker from the book how the mind works um that really puts it well um this is the quote uh it would not surprise me if a week of clouds really did predict that the trailing edge was near and the sun was about to be unmasked just as the hundredth railroad car on a passing train portends the caboose with greater likelihood than the third car. Many events work like that. An astute observer should commit the gambler's fallacy. A gambling device is, by definition, a machine designed to defeat our intuitive predictions. It's like calling our hands badly designed because they fail to get out of handcuffs. Wow. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah uh, very good, good points. So, uh, I'd much rather us be able to, you know, figure out patterns in the world and come up with scientific theories than be able to list random numbers. Like, yeah. we're bad at it, but it's not, not particularly helpful most of the time in the world, you mm -hmm. know? We're bad at it, and that's not a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the question remains, if humans are bad at randomness, how can we get randomness for our experiments, for science, for cryptography, for governance for video games for a chiptune drum sound without having to resort to rolling dice all the time well <laughs> something i found out um that i never would have guessed but also makes total sense is that for a while <laughs> people did literally roll dice for science <laughs> that make i don't know that just makes sense to me yeah yeah i, I love that <laughs> it does but i i'm just like yeah i guess so um a d20 can give you a lot of options you know it's true it's true um francis galton who is one of the most famous statisticians wrote a paper in nature in 1890 called dice for statistical experiments uh where he showed how to use six-sided dice for sampling distributions um and i think this is a really beautiful quote um you can it, it really shows his love for dice in it so he goes as an instrument for selecting at random, I have found nothing superior to dice. When they are shaken and tossed in a basket, they hurtle so variously against one another <laughs> and against the ribs of the basket work that they tumble wildly about. Wow, that's... Oh my... Wow. That's intense. That's like reading an erotic novel about dice. 
biscuits, bizarrely. Have you read my my dice fanfic on on um, Ao3? Is that what it's called? I'm so Ao3. Yeah, D the D3 and the D6 knew they could not be together. <laughs> um, this is too much. Um, something about like a, a a bad boy who's like a weighted die or something like that. Anyway, we'll we'll talk later. We'll talk later. <laughs> Um, this is another another quote further down the article, um, <laughs> which I just find this this is what 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 boggles my mind, right? So he goes, the precise process I follow is to put two or three dice into a small waste paper basket to toss and shake them to take them out and arrange them on a table side by side, and <laughs> it it's it it does work, but it just feels so. <laughs> I, I guess yeah we didn't we didn't have computers we didn't have a way it to, doesn't to do it feel so. weird to me because like you know once people were using abacuses you know everything starts yeah. somewhere and this is just where randomness started technologically i think the thing that feels weird to me is like there are some studies that you'll read and it's like the method is so brief and makes zero sense and here he's like i'm going to in detail explain how i roll my dice yeah. to make the study work you know <laughs> i think for me for me what's what's mind-boggling is that like people like we've found dice that look like our dice as far back as like 3000 bc yeah and to see a paper written in nature being like yeah here's how you use it to 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 to, to, to do a, a study i mean i guess it, it it's 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 humbling and it, and it makes sense and it shows how 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 deep and and primitive and and useful randomness is right um so as much as galton loved dice uh there is a problem with it and it's that it's slow <laughs> uh you know you can't have a person shaking dice in a waste basket all day um and you also have to have a human doing it which is just another source of bias and error right so it, it's 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 not useful for the amount of randomness that we need these days um, and so this was one of my favorite things I found while researching this that I had no idea about. What do you think people did in the mid-1900s when they wanted something faster than dice, but before computers? Um, made a string of Victorian orphan children. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, they would still have to roll the dice, wouldn't they? But you, get, you, you outsource your dice rolling to orphans. You're 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 getting cl close to the concept. Uh, you of outsource sort of, sort of... your yeah, <laughs> your randomness to nature. You're you're on the right path for for how you would figure this out. So, in 1927, a person named L. H. C. Tippett, uh, no relation to the Large Hadron Collider. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that I'm sure the three people that understood that thought that was hilarious, Tom. <laughs> The, the three particle physicists that listen are just, like, <laughs> cackling right now. Um, so in 1927, L.H.C. Tippett published the first random number table, which is a book of 41,600 random numbers. Wait, and, and they were to make that table, did they have to roll dice? So they didn't, because that would take a, a long time. Uh, and we'll get into how he, how he did it, but uh, it was 41,600 random numbers on 26 pages. Um, they were also available as punch cards uh, that machines could read. And this is from the Indian Journal of Statistics in 1938. Uh, Till the advent of these numbers, the work of sampling was being carried out by drawing of balls or tickets from a bag. And besides being laborious, this failed to yield perfectly random samples when the number of samples required was large. 
Um, so it, it, it was a, a big change in, in how people were doing studies. Um, and I, what I find so clever is, is how he came up with a way to fill these pages with numbers besides using dice. He basically got a bunch of numbers from census record data and then jumbled them up together because theoretically they are random. And if you just do, you know, some math on them, so they, they, they get extra jumbled up. Just some um, math. And then you put them <laughs> just, together. Just do yeah. Just the math on those numbers. Yeah. Um, well, he did. He, 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 used, uh, he also used uh, logarithmic tables to literally just, just jumble them up a bit more. Mm. And then in 1955, a book was published called A Million Random Digits, which, self-explanatory, you get what you pay for. Um, and for that book, they used some basic circuits as we get closer to sort of the rise of computers. Um, and to the point where these become completely outdated. <laughs> uh, but a fun side note is that the book was republished in 2001 and is available on Amazon. Uh, I was just thinking I want that book because how weird would it be if someone just opens that book in your house, you got it on the <laughs> coffee table and it's just a million random digits. Like, it, that's absolutely nonsensical. You're like, oh, that's just for my, <laughs> my randomness. You know those TikToks where it's like, Go to the book that's closest to you and open it to page forty-three. The first line is your future. Oh and my it's just god! Some random number. Two four four one two three eight. Whoa. <laughs> well, before you make that decision, Ella, uh, you may want to hear one review from Hogan McHugh, uh, who gave it five stars, and they said, "Bad ending, but good otherwise." <laughs> Very interesting. Starts off slow, but starts off slow, but picks up and is great until the end, which doesn't match up. Very good. Uh, what's what's it called again? A million random digits. Yeah, I'm gonna put this in my uh, Amazon and... wish list. <laughs> if anyone would like to buy things off my Amazon wish list, I'll put it on the Discord. <laughs> I think one of the reasons why they're so beautiful is they're they're really just kind of like a footnote in the history of randomness because they're not they're not like revolutionary, right? They're just like useful. Uh, it's like it's like the VCR of math. Right? Like, at its time, it was great, but it, it's really kind of forgettable now, you know? And in, 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 in the history of, of randomness, it, it's, it's kind of forgotten. But I, I think, it's, I think it's, um, it's quaint. I think it's, it's, it's neat that, that we used that. I agree. But, of course, um, <laughs> there's obviously problems with a book. Uh, one of the main ones being, how do you choose where to start, right? If everyone started at page one, that would defeat the purpose because then you could predict what's going to happen um but then of course also you know when you get into the realm of big simulations and statistical analysis you need to be able to get a random number thousands of times a second uh and so obviously the next step from here is computers which is what we use today so do y'all have any sense as to how computers make random numbers not not even a little bit no um um uh an infinite amount of digitized monkeys rolling dice. All right, there we go. Uh, so who's doing the, the question? This um, so um, the answer is math. Um, wow. I hate that that's the answer. That's the answer, <laughs> that's the answer that everyone wants to hear. Uh, all, the, all the infinite monkeys are disappointedly like, oh, it's like, you can go now. We don't need you. We got, we got math. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, monkeys. Um, basically, you take a starting number or a seed. Um, if you've ever played Minecraft, you know that to generate a world, you can give it a seed. Um, it's the same thing. And what I know about the seed number is that people, speedrunners, um, Minecraft speedrunners, the seed number is really important because it's the, the shape of the world. But yeah, speedrunners who cheat 
uh, you can you can you can catch them out by seeing their seed number. I know this because I watch loads of videos about speedrunning, and I haven't even Minecraft yeah. ones, and I've never played it. So remind me to get to that because because this is this is sort of a, a crucial um, flaw in 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 this. So we'll get to that in a second. Um, but basically, you take that seed number, you jumble it up with math, um, and that jumbling looks like you know take the number, square it, reverse the number, then like take the last four digits and square that. Um, but it has to be really carefully designed because uh, some of the jumblings have patterns. So, you know, you can't make the, the, the jumbling equation be like multiply by the second digit because what if it's zero? Now all your numbers are zero. Mm. So it, it, it's messy, but it's very purposefully designed messy jumbling. Um, and so then once you have a good jumbler uh, and you jumble your starting seed number into a random number, then you can jumble that and then jumble that and you basically have as many as many random numbers as you could want at the speed of a computer which is great um but what ella pointed out and you also may have noticed is that this isn't technically random right it's just it's just messy uh if you pick the same seed you'll always get the same random number and so like ella mentioned if you have the same seed at the start of a Minecraft world, the whole world will be identical because it's random, but it's based off of, uh, it's not really random, right? It's just, it's just jumbled up. Um, and so that's why they're actually technically called pseudo random number generators, because in practice, they're, they're basically random, but in theory, they're, they're not, they're, they're fully deterministic because it's, it's just math. And you can come up with lots of clever ways to pick a difficult seed. Uh, one technique that a lot of people use is using the exact time in milliseconds. Uh, that's what a lot of programs do because that's hard to predict um, because it, it, it happens so quickly and there, there's so many numbers involved. Um, but again, technically, theoretically, in principle, it's not random. Now, we, we don't have to lose sleep about it. You know, most lots of things in the world use pseudo random number generators just fine. We're totally fine. But if you're working on something of critical importance, like cybersecurity for a government, uh, this can keep you up at night. Or if you're mm. uh, like a mathematician, maybe that, <laughs> that really cares about being technically right, mm. this can keep you up at night. Um, so is there such thing as a true random number generator? Uh uh, I don't know, Thomas. That. Uh, so surely there that, is, surely. and that's actually what they're called. They're called true random number generators. But Ella, you you are probably actually familiar with one of these true random number generators in your lab, because it sounds like this. Oh, it's a a a, a Geiger counter. Yes. So, uh, this is a quote from a paper by <laughs> Falkenberg in two thousand one. <laughs> Um, in contemporary physics, well, yeah. So I just don't get it. No, you're about to explain. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in this is again, this is a quote from Falkenberg in 2001. In contemporary physics, it is well known and widely accepted that radioactive decay is governed by quantum mechanical tunnel effects, and thus occurring in a purely and genuinely random way. What? Say so yeah. This, so. <laughs> is there a way you can say that differently <laughs> to yes. stupid me uh, yes this is a passage from the textbook uh, modern nuclear chemistry that explains it a little bit more because the nucleus of an atom is insulated by the surrounding cloud of electrons this rate of decay 
is essentially independent of pressure, temperature, the mass action law, or any other rate limiting factors that commonly affect chemical and physical changes. The decay of a given nucleus is an entirely random event. So basically, at, at this small scale, so few things can, 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 can uh, bias or affect these, these phenomena that, again, it's generally agreed on that there is a thing <laughs> that exists that is just random. That's so... That's so wild. That's so interesting. I, yeah, I, like I was totally ready to be like, no, there's no such thing as, as totally random. And it's like, no, it's actually it's actually what? there. It's it's there yeah. and it's everywhere. It's it's in it's in all everywhere all of the time. Can't escape it. And so, if you measure those decaying particles with a Geiger counter, you can turn them into random numbers. And uh, there's one company, Cloudflare, uh, which is a web security company that actually does. They have a Geiger counter hooked up to their computers that measures decaying ra- radioactive material. Uh, again, this is, <laughs> this is, you know, at a certain point, maybe this is for show uh, as much as it is practical. Um, but... Um, is all of this... Are you trying... Okay, is all of this coming to say that you we genuinely the only way we can make random numbers is through decaying radioactive material? We haven't made computers do random numbers yet. Yeah, because... Because, well... That just seems like bonkers to me that that's something we haven't figured out because like computers do the do all do the things you know they do all of the things yeah yeah but I guess if you're using any kind of maths to create a random number it's, exactly. it's just not going to happen you can yeah right because uh, by definite like a mathematical operation has to work the same time every yeah. time computers are really good at effective like unpredictability. And again, it, it's it's effective enough that we. I'm not worried about my computer spontaneously falling apart, you know, like or 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 someone being able to hack into an account because it it, it it's it does the job. This is just sort of the 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 theoretical um, true randomness. It's a it's it's a philosophical concept. Yes, exactly. These are the same people who are religiously trying to figure out the next digit of pi being like i need it to be this yes, random yeah, I, please thank you genuinely yeah. genuinely that's a that's a perfect analogy yeah and if um, you want to know how many digits of pi we know then please go and listen to wait did we do this on an actual episode that was released no. uh-uh that was a practice episode we didn't release that then please join our patreon where we will <laughs> <laughs> well which we will one day set up and release an old episode where tom talks about how many about digits of pi and it, it was an excellently was an informative section <laughs> and i'm sad that we uh did we haven't published it anyway sorry <laughs> anyway so just to 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 take a step back like how did we get from sheep bones to nuclear physics <laughs> randomness in theory represents a thing that is fundamentally unknowable right you can't predict it and as we've learned more and more and technology and science has improved, what we don't know has gotten smaller. And we're, we've dug deeper and deeper until we've reached the building blocks of our universe, and we've found something that is truly random and unknowable, and it's like at the fabric of everything. Um, and you would think that would be terrifying and humbling, uh, and it definitely is, it is definitely humbling to, to, to think that, but what I think is beautiful is that 
we've turned this unknowability into a tool for science and research and technology. You know, we've used it to make unbiased decisions that we know that we would not be able to make. We've studied it. We've used it to make music and art. There's a ton of really fascinating, you know, pieces that, that are based on, on randomness. And uh, most importantly, I think most importantly, from the very beginning, we've turned it into fun, right? Bef before we had the written language, we were throwing sheep bones on the ground for fun. And now I listen to three different Dungeons & Dragons podcasts where people throw glorified sheep bones on a table and I can't get enough of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I would really appreciate if you guys acted more surprised at hearing the fact that I listened to, to three different Dungeons and Dragons podcasts. Just like gasp, do like a Tom, little. Tom, you only listen to three Dungeons <laughs> oh, and Dragons <laughs> podcasts. I thought it was at least My five. My God. My brother spent sixty-five pounds on glorified sheep bone yesterday, so there I'm a bit go. like nothing surprises me anymore in the D and D world. You, you lot are weird. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's it. Randomness is neat. It, it it it's it's amazing that we 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 can find so many uses for it and 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 still have fun with it to this day. Uh, yeah, that's the that's the thesis statement. Randomness is neat. I love amazing. That. I really enjoyed that, Tom. I really what a good, that. I'm glad. Once again, how wonderfully interesting. I get. I I really didn't. I've never ever considered the idea of randomness, like true randomness. I didn't know that that's not something that we just like didn't have access to all the yeah. time and we do we do but only through this you know I I ancient think mechanism of sheep so, bones yeah yeah so inaccessible to us with everything else that we can do and apparently i have access to it in the lab yeah anytime you want get get random numbers anytime 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 some some psych researcher goes to you and is like tries to trick you to say the number seven you can be like hold on let me get my geiger counter real quick <laughs> yeah fuck you <laughs> Hi guys. Um, today I am going to be talking. <laughs> today I am going to be asking you the question: What happens if we don't sleep? Um, before you try and make any answers about that, I'm, we are going to break this down into bits because there there are lots of things to talk about here. Um, and I I want to just say the reason why I'm talking about this specifically is because because I'm chronically online. Um, <laughs> oh wow what's that like I have no idea I know right wow. <laughs> one of the things I read when I was a bit younger it was, it's a creepypasta called the Russian sleep experiment <laughs> I know exactly which... what you're talking about yeah <laughs> yeah really um, which yeah I was about to say people may have heard of it's basically a kind of hor yeah it's a horror story where they in, in the Soviet Union, they put prisoners into like a locked room with stimulants that keep, stop them from sleeping for thirty days, and they slowly descend into madness. It's ridiculous. It ends fully ridiculous. They have like superpowers. They're like, they're, like super yeah. strong. <laughs> oh, I gotta try that. It's a lot. It starts off pretty well, and then it descends pretty quickly. And since reading that, I've always been really interested in what actually happens to you when you don't get enough sleep. And sleep studies are so. I don't, they're so interesting and uh, they've been going on for so long so there's a lot to, to be said and also simultaneously nothing at all it's <laughs> <laughs> there's also a, a great tradition in academia of not sleeping <laughs> yeah exactly precisely so <laughs> I think the first the first thing I actually want to ask you is is um 
do you know what sleep is? <laughs> you see, this was going to be a question that I was going to ask at some point. Was, what is sleep? Because <laughs> it's such like a weird thing to describe. You probably have some idea. You you will have heard some of these kind of terms in your in passing. My brain, I'm trying so hard. I'm like, sleep, you know. The thing when... where you shut your eyes. And sleepy, and become sleepy. And, and well, REM sleep happens if you're well, sleeping well enough. There you go, REM, perfect, perfect. That's a good, that's a good start. Boom, Something we, are, we do understand very well is, is the stages of our sleep. I don't want to get too, mm. into too much detail with this because I feel like s- the history of sleeping and understanding why we sleep and that kind of thing is it in itself a big and great topic. But I thought I would tell you guys very quickly the stages of sleep. You, you know what REM sleep is? You know what it stands for? Rapid eye? Is it eyelid? movement something like that just just eye movement rapid ah, rapid eye movement, rapid eye yeah. movement um very famously the band rem did the song everybody hurts love that um named after <laughs> rem sleep i assume um there are four stages of sleep three non-rem sleep one rem sleep the first two are a light state um gradual relaxation temperature dropping brain slowing um you also i think which is i think is interesting in the first stage of sleep you get something called myoclonic or hypnagogic jerks which you will have experienced that's that sensation that you're falling and you jerk awake um uh, there's a really small indie album called hypnic jerks oh, is there really yeah we should assemble a playlist of all the sleep scientific sleep <laughs> the musical artists. <laughs> um we should just make a, we should make a let's learn everything playlist where we just like every yeah. time we reference music that is scientifically <laughs> related so chaotic. i love this oh yeah we get queen on there also yeah yeah, yeah exactly why not <laughs> um that i get these all the time because i have restless yeah. leg syndrome so i get it like especially badly in, in phase two you spend 50 percent of your time in in phase two sleep which is still light sleep and it's it, it's a big period of memory consolidation then you go into the third stage of non-REM which is deep sleep and this is the probably the most important to feeling well rested Mm. and you have the lowest amount of brain activity then you go into REM sleep which is as you said rapid eye movement literally because your eyes are darting around everywhere you are also paralyzed um which i thought thing is really interesting but your neurological activity is almost this similar to when you're awake it's incredibly active the stage where sleep paralysis I, I had a look at this because I thought it was really interesting, but um, no, when paralysis happens outside of REM is when sleep paralysis happens because ah. you shouldn't be able to wake up during REM and still be paralysed, right? So it's, it's, it's dysfunctional paralysis in sleep, that sleep paralysis. My, my, my loose understanding of it is that during REM, um, there is something that, that basically mutes the connection between your brain activity connecting to the rest of your body so yes, that you yeah. don't act oh. out all these things. Exactly. And then I, I believe during um, sleep paralysis, it's basically just like that carries over mm-hmm. too far into wakingness, yeah. uh, which is terrifying. Um, exactly. Cool, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole cycle lasts 90 to 120 minutes. Um, I have studied what the best amount of time to take a nap is because of course that's something i would do 
And I know that... It's the most uh, chronically student thing I've ever heard. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Most common Google search in a university. (laughs) It's ridiculous. But the National Sleep Foundation says that 20 minutes is around the optimum map time so that you don't enter a state of deep sleep because that's the thing that's going to make you feel like you're more tired. Interesting. And then I guess in theory, if you're going to sleep for longer than that, you should do a full cycle. So you go through REM and come back out the other side. It, it's so I you know I've I've heard of these cycles before, but it's always so so amazing to me that like there are like clear distinct cycles with like categorical differences and like time periods when yes. like it first it's just like I sleep is how I often I treat it, which is probably why I am so restless in the morning because I treat sleep like like just like a thing. It's just like, ah, sleep. You'll think about that more and more as we talk about this, trust me. Oh, I'm excited. Um, So, and and you're right about the phases. Like, we really, uh, we understand really well these phases of sleep because the brain patterns during them are really distinctive. But anyway, I just wanted to lay that out because I think it's like a nice little um, starter for us. Now, um, before we, again, before we get into what happens if we don't sleep, why do we sleep? Why is this happening to us? So that we don't die. That's a good theory. I I, do, I have a slight bias to this, uh, but it doesn't help because I did I did read the first part of a book called Why We Sleep, but I did not retain it. Oh. <laughs> well, what do you think you remember? I just remember that the at the first part, the author is basically just like sleep is so weird. Like <laughs> it's so weird that 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 so many and I because I I believe almost all animals mm-hmm. or even like living creatures have a a cycle of like right west restness and awakeness it, yeah uh, absolutely sleep is weird i believe his consensus is like we're still figuring it out we, <laughs> i don't know if there is that's a- true that that's the answer scientists we just don't know why we sleep for sure like we don't know all of the details of sleeping um, we could have made it a much shorter book if it was just why we sleep and then the first page was i don't, I don't know just like the shrug emoji. There's been loads of research on it, right? And again, maybe I'll do this as a topic in more detail because it is really interesting. Yeah. All what we know is you need it to recover. We need our minds mm. and our bodies to recover during sleep. Um, the detailed processes of this are like elusive in a lot of ways. But we know things that like memory consolidation happens, emotional regulation, hormone regulation. Um, your brain is cleared of waste during this state. And there are lots of things that are very important. And if you keep some of that in mind, then what do you think might happen? Or what do you know might happen? Because um, I know that, Tom, you're a chronic insomniac. Um, (laughs) uh, In the short term, if we don't sleep. So by that, I mean days and weeks and months, maybe. Are hallucinations one of the things that will happen? Yes, absolutely. Hallucinations. That's a more severe. Oh, that's definitely on the more severe side, but it wouldn't take as long as you think to get to that state. How long does it take to get to that it's, state? Uh, it's entirely person dependent. Oh wow! Okay. Because you because everyone has like a different amount of time they need to sleep to feel refreshed, right? One of mm-hmm. one of the the the, the creepiest legends or lore of sleeplessness that I've heard about. No idea if this is true. This could easily be a creepy pasta, but allegedly. When long haul truckers don't sleep for many days on end, which is a thing that happens because they're 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 pushed to work so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, a common thing is something called I think it's called like the black dog, 
and because it's just like a common hallucination that when you're driving late at the road and you haven't slept in a long time you'll you'll hallucinate a, a dog jumping across the road in front of you mm. and that's obviously very dangerous for that um so i i do know it's and that that has been uh a, a thing where i was where i heard that and i was like okay i should i should i should sleep more <laughs> i should probably sleep more i i will tell you so i, I mean that sounds completely plausible to me 30 percent of all traffic accidents are due to sleep deprivation oh, or sp- wow. specifically um something called micro sleep happening um which we we will get into a bit more um, some other things that may happen in short-term sleep deprivation. Can I just throw another one? Is is memory loss one? Because we're not doing the memory thing. So oh. During sleep. So yeah, short-term memory loss is pretty common. Because you're right, memory memory consolidation is happening in your sleep. If you're staying up, you're not consolidating the memories that have happened in that mm-hmm. day. So that's going to happen. You have slower reaction times. You're you're irritable. There's lack of focus. And one I thought was really interesting while I was doing the research on this is is reduced emotional function. So it can include the loss of ability to perceive others' emotions. So one oh, wow. study found that sleep deprivation can cause a positive look on someone's face to appear neutral to a sleep deprived person. And a neutral look interpreted as a negative look. Oh wow. I I did not need that in college. I did not need that extra hurdle to to, <laughs> to social interactions in college. <laughs> exactly oh. right. Another some oh, this is really interesting, and I can send you. I will send you guys this um this test actually. So something that um is really interesting to study on people who are sleep deprived is something called the binocular depth inversion illusion test you will have probably have seen it it's also known as the hollow mask illusion yeah um another great band name uh, oh that is actually an excellent band name um do you know okay you know what it is caroline do you know what it is tom no (laughs) i'm gonna send you a video and you can explain to me i know i've got tickets to see them at brooklyn steel this friday but that's all i know (laughs) you can tell me what you are seeing okay is this test about to reveal to me that i'm secretly i've actually been dreaming this whole time (laughs) and this isn't real (laughs) (laughs) oh yes there we go i am familiar with this illusion i'm terrified to find out how it relates to sleep though so uh this is it looks like a 3D sort of like sculpture of Albert Einstein's face, and then it starts to rotate, and then it's revealed that it's actually carved inward as opposed to jutting outwards. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of an example of, of this, but you, it's, it's, yeah, I've it's seen convex. this. Yeah, yes. It looks like, it basically, even though it is, you're looking at, as it rotates, you're seeing the hollow side of a mask. Our brains override the actual visual input of the mask of the hollowness, and they cor- and it corrects it to what it thinks should be there. Right. So you see the mask is coming towards you, when in reality it's facing away from you. And this can also be done with other objects. So in a study where sleep-deprived nurses were shown this test, they did pass the face test, but they so they so they perceived the illusion is is mm-hmm, passing mm-hmm. the test, but they failed on other objects like chairs, a house, and flowers. Um, and failing, yeah, failing the test is indicative of impaired visual perception, basically, and visual processing. So, so this seems to be happening to some extent when you're asleep, when you're sleep deprived. That's interesting. Because so 
what you're saying is that because normally you would think that like uh figuring out like like not falling for the illusion would be better but what you're saying is that it's it's beneficial to believe in this illusion because it's a useful <laughs> visual thing yes i'll tell you why this is because of something called top-down processing okay. which is basically when we receive visual stimuli uh, actually i think it's any any sensory stimuli our brain sends it down a series of processes passing things like prior knowledge and context to draw a conclusion without the need to analyze every feature of the stimulus okay. right so in our day-to-day lives this is exceptionally useful yeah obviously with a with a visual illusion it's uh it's technically a bad thing because it's tricking you to think there's something there that's not but it is a good indicator of whether or not your top-down processing is working properly so people with schizophrenia um are also a lot more likely to not perceive this illusion because they have uh, often have issues with top-down processing you know what i i wonder i wonder if sleep-deprived people would be better at coming up with random numbers for a similar reason <laughs> oh my goodness. i mean that yeah i wonder i wonder you should uh, so maybe we should uh, maybe we should submit a grant <laughs> another thing you might have heard of that happens when we uh, lose sleep over days and weeks is it's called sleep debt or sleep deficit do you know what either of you know yeah. what that is i've heard of it before i know i owe a lot i don't know if i can describe what it is it, it's like it i feel like it's re- reasonably self-explanatory it really is a debt it's just the difference between the amount of sleep you should be getting and the amount you actually get you start accumulating it immediately after a night of missed sleep um and there's a there's a myth this idea of like if you lost like 10 hours of sleep over 10 days or whatever you could pay that back in one sleep you can't um okay you can't pay it back in one go it has to be returned gradually um, because it's not it's not really this like very quantifiably measurable measurable thing where it's just like you lost 10 hours here you can gain it back here it's more of a you know general weariness <laughs> of the mind and soul i i <laughs> the soul is true and, and i feel like the the lie a lot of students tell themselves is like you know i'll stay up for the the during the week but then on the weekend i'll catch up on my sleep kind of a thing and uh it sounds like that's not viable yeah basically you can i mean you can pay it back over days you know if you add a couple of hours here and there it's but the the difficulty is it's not it doesn't seem to be like a particularly measurable phenomenon and that seems to be like an area of debate among researchers one way you can measure it potentially is something called the psychomotor vigilance task another band name (laughs) yeah not as good as hollow face mask or whatever it's very true very what was true. it i don't know but i'm that's gonna be my band name <laughs> the let's learn everything band <laughs> <laughs> so the psychomotor vigilance task or pvt it was developed by a, a sleep researcher sleep researcher called david f dingers or dingers i'm not sure um i'm not gonna say dingus because that feels rude so i'm gonna say dingus he is a he's a professor cool. of psychology and the director for the unit of experimental psyche psyche What's wrong with me? Psychiatry. Jeez. There we go. You want to take another take of that? No, you know what? It's fine. People need to know that I... People... We're human. We're human. This is so much of our jobs. How many hours of sleep did you get, Ella? Not that many, actually. <laughs> so anyway, the, the psychomotor vigilance task was developed by David F. Uh, Dingers. And it's, it's basically just a very basic reaction time task so you like mm-hmm. see a visual stimulus and you you respond to it and that's it but 
studies have shown that basically I'll, I'll talk about one specific study so they they had participants go for two weeks of either eight hours of sleep six hours of sleep or four hours of sleep and each day they were tested for the number of lapses on the test and the results showed as that as time went by each group's performance worsened and there was just no sign of stopping it just got worse and worse throughout the entire entirety of the study until they stopped the study i think it was like a a couple well it was a couple of weeks it was two weeks and that's it basically there's no there's it, it, the idea is that there is no end to your sleep um debt it just continues oh. to get worse <laughs> fun fun that's good oh. I I I do I, I I do like hearing this only because I feel like you know the 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 myth I tell myself in the morning and late at night is that like oh I get my best work done when I stay up late and uh you know like 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 get the the inspiration and and it turns out that objectively no, it's I, incorrect it's just I mean no. you might work better at a different time but there is definitely this there is a myth yeah. that you can get used to not sleeping like you can yes. you can acclimatize to having five hours of sleep and that's just not true there's no one in this yeah. world who can act yeah. well that's not strictly true there are some very lucky people who really don't need five hours of sleep if you've been getting eight hours of sleep your mo- most of your life you will not acclimatize to five hours of sleep that's how much sleep you need you need eight hours of sleep and sometimes our body will try and combat our sleep deprivation um through micro sleep as i mentioned before you've you've experienced micro sleep and we all have probably um it's mm. just uh it's just falling asleep instantly involuntarily on the spot kind of thing it, it'll normally happen when you're doing something monotonous monotonous so it probably happened to you in a lecture at university yeah i just remembered one of my favorite um falling asleep stories which is falling asleep during class stories which is one time i was in an in an english class and we were watching a film and i was like i'm not staying awake so i was like here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna I'm going to do a task so that I can like focus on the thing mm-hmm. and stay awake. And so I started drawing on, on like my notebook and I was drawing a face and I was like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, this is great. I was, and I was like, this is like one of the best faces I've ever drawn. It looks like photorealistic. And then I woke up oh. uh, and it was a scribble. <laughs> it was fully a scribble. And I was like, oh, okay. I need, I need. <laughs> That's so bad. I need, wow. I need, I need... I wonder if that was a yeah. That's so interesting. Um, you're probably in some kind of light sleep there, but that's a yeah, very interesting. <laughs> Mike, micro sleep only lasts like five to thirty seconds. Oh wow! Yeah, and the reason you would know you had it is if you jerk awake. Yeah, but you can have it, which is how I know most people had it because you all everyone's had that sensation, right? If you're sitting around <laughs> doing nothing. But the thing is, it can happen without that sensation, in which case you wouldn't even know that you had micro-sleep slept. You, your Ooh. eyes are just open and you're sleeping. And that's one of the reasons why there are so many car accidents associated with sleep oh. deprivation. So that those are the more short-term risks, although they will carry on continuously. There are long-term health risks associated with sleep deprivation and a chronic lack of sleep. Can you think of any potentially? So in a hallucinations are one of them? hallucinations are short term in the sense that this is ah, okay uh it can happen after you know days yeah. of not sleeping with this is years yeah i feel like maybe anything related to sort of like the the regulation of um chemicals by the brain any sort of like i imagine yeah. you know like depression is a common thing yes well okay you're, you're absolutely right that's a really good 
shout. Depression is one of them, and probably because of well, mood issues generally, and also chem- like hormonal imbalances, chemical imbalances. But one of the things I thought was really interesting is obesity is very often linked to an, a lack of sleep in the long term because of hormonal regulation. So this is because you you have disruptions in the hormones leptin, which is an appetite suppressor, and ghrelin, which is an appetite increaser. So that's, of course, very oversimplified. But the studies have found that a lack of sleep will increase uh, the levels of ghrelin and so you and decrease the levels of, of leptin. So you uh, eat more. And so it's like actively linked to obesity through that, um, through increased appetite, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. You also have things like um, diabetes, increased blood pressure and cardiovascular disease. Oh, wild. Yeah, um, I, I was really interested in this, but actually when you hear it about it, it makes sense because you, when yeah. you sleep, you, you know, your bo- things um, slow down. Your body temperature goes oh, lower. Wow, yeah. One of the things you do is, is called dipping. Where your blood pressure drops by ten to twenty percent. Oh wow! If you don't sleep, you don't dip. It's called non-dipping, mm-hmm. um, and this has been linked to hypertension, so increased blood pressure, um, and increased oh. risk of heart attack and stroke. That's how we get kids to sleep more. We're just like, kids, you gotta dip every night. You gotta dip. Oh my god! Or you're gonna have a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> just go real dark with it. You gotta dip, or you're yeah. gonna die. Or you'll have depression. (laughs) (laughs) So before you think about, you know, staying up every night to study or work or because you get your best work done at 3am, Tom, or to put out a podcast on a Thursday, uh, (laughs) remember, you will get uh, cardiovascular disease and you will die. (sighs) Woo! Okay, so these are the the really i think the less interesting bits about it even though i've tried to make it interesting i hope you thought so but no these have been so interesting the thing the thing that i actually started with which is something i did a level psychology a level is are the um the exams we do at, when we're 18 and i studied psychology then and i have this study i remember from way back then which is the longest scientifically verified period without sleep oh no Oof. so that is the question how long do we know that we can go without sleep? These, these like early mid 1900 psych studies are all terrible. Yeah, it, you're exactly right. This happened in 1965. Oh. Oh. It's probably one of the more quaint ones. Okay, that's good. Because you're right. Psychology studies from this period of time are truly terrifying. That you're talking like Stanford yeah. Prison Experiment yeah. kind of stuff. The Milgram shocking yeah. experiments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, Carolyn, I'm gonna let you guess first because there's a chance I might have. Oh, okay. This. I'm trying to remember. Um, I, I don't think it's. I don't know. I'm gonna say something like forty-four days. Oh, boy, howdy! I was gonna say like two weeks. Yeah, Tom, you're closer. Ah, okay. Yes. So this is this is um, scientifically verified, which means there was a scientist right. there watching him. Um, all, all, at all, all times. times. Okay. Um, Which is good. This is 17-year-old Randy Gardner in 1965. Oh. He was doing a wake-a-thon to raise money for charity, I think. Oh um, my gosh. And he went 264 hours and 25 minutes without sleep, which is 11 days and 25 minutes. God, when you when you wow. line up the hours, it really is just like 
really clear. It's like, oh, you are, you are, con like, because, like, when you list the days, like, part of me still is like, yeah, but obviously you're sleeping. <laughs> but when you, like, list the hours, I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, it makes it a lot more real. And then there's a, there's a sick part of me. There's, like, a sick part of me deep down that's like, oh, you get so much work done. <laughs> uh, but you wouldn't. But you wouldn't no, because you wouldn't. of everything we just said. It would just be an awful time. It oh definitely, it's definitely not fun. When I remembered this, before I started looking at the story again, I thought, God, it must have been horrible for him. Um, but actually, so there was a report that was put out by researcher William uh, Dement. Um, it was published alongside the attempt, and it reported pretty much no effects on Randy. I mean, he wasn't, like, fully functional because he was very tired, but he was, other than some irritability, he didn't have any of the things that we often associate with sleep deprivation. He didn't have hallucinations. He didn't have any emotional issues that we could tell. Oh, wow. Oh. I, don't know, I don't know if this is because he is young or because he mm. needs less sleep as a person anyway. I think that's one of the issues with the study, that we can't really yeah. base anything off it because he is an individual. It's just one person, yeah. Was he a, a participant of the, the Russian creepypasta and developed the ability to not need to sleep? Is that possible? Exactly. <laughs> that, that's his mutant power? Exactly, that's it. <laughs> Nailed it. So this is the, uh, the longest scientifically verified attempt, but it's probably been broken before. Um, it's just that it's not been done, it's not been published um, right, right. The Guinness World Record for this, um, where they still had this as a Guinness World Record, they don't anymore for health reasons. Good idea. Um, it was four hundred and forty-nine hours. Get, oh, which is about oh, twenty, oh. which is over twenty days. And and the best part of this, it's held by Maureen Weston of Peterborough, Cambridgeshire, in the in the UK, in April of nineteen seventy-seven, as she took part in a rocking chair marathon. Oh my goodness. I love I think that. that's exceptional. What? Go go hard. The difference is Maureen did report hallucinations, paranoia, blurred vision, Oy. slurred speech, memory and concentration losses. Um so that's a bit darker. Oh Poor Maureen in her rocking chair for 24 days or whatever it was. I'm I'm so glad we stopped. We found more better ways to entertain ourselves than wake a thought. <laughs> I know. My final question to you in this part is, is, is pretty simple. Can you die from a lack of sleep? I guess you can die from the other things that it causes. What does it cause? <laughs> like the cardiovascular issues and stuff like that, in theory. What, what I'm also wondering is, at a certain point, does, would your body just be like, no? Yeah. Yeah, would your body just be like, I'm going to pass out now and there's nothing you can do about it? Yeah. That is a, an excellent, excellent point. And uh, this was the last thing. This was the thing I was going to end up actually. We'll give you this quote from um, David F. Dingers. <laughs> <laughs> Poor man, I'm so sorry. Um, he says, I don't believe that people can keep themselves awake until they succumb wow. to death. Because the drive to sleep turns on and then continues to turn on. You can't yeah, will no. yourself to stay awake that long. Like, micro-sleep's happening. But can you get somebody else to wake you up? Yeah, that's... That's a good point. So, like, sleep deprivation is used as a method of torture. Yeah. But I think one of the things that has been seen previously is that it doesn't matter how long you keep someone awake, wow. eventually their bodies will just succumb. There's just no way to keep someone that's... awake if they yeah. are so sleep-deprived. 
That's so interesting. So I will say there was a, there was a, there was a study in 1989 that shows that it, which makes me think that it is possible for a human to die, possibly by uh, sleep deprivation, because lab rats will die after 11 to 32 days of complete sleep deprivation. Oh, wow. I know, I know, it's sad. Unfortunately, this kind of study doesn't happen anymore because mm-hmm. it's not allowed. But what's really interesting about the study is that no anatomical cause of death was identified. Oh, oh. my God. They just died. That's horrifying. Wow. I, I wow, dislike that. That's haunting. It is quite scary. I should have done this on the Halloween episode. Like I do, f- I find this all really scary. Oh, that's something to, that feels icky. Yeah, it's not nice. Yeah. With, there's also a disease called fatal familial insomnia. It's an extremely rare genetic disease with no known cure. Oh. So for about the first seven months, it's essentially progressively worsening insomnia. And with symptoms of like paranoia and phobias. After that, they completely lose the ab- ability to sleep. Completely lose the ability to sleep. Um, and this eventually progresses to dementia and then death over the course of about six months. It sounds like it's absolutely horrible. It's a ve- it happens very, very quickly from the onset. Okay. Um, well, I say very quickly, it's over about two years. Um, so you're spending probably at least three months completely awake all the time and cognizant of that fact, which is sounds awful. There's, um, I did, I read a really great BBC article, which will be in the show notes, talking about the stories of some of these people um, who've had this disease. One guy, he decided to like try and live as his best life as he could before he died, and uh, but to get some extra sleep, he would like take anaesthetics and sleep in a sensory deprivation tank. And oh, with gosh. and with that, he would manage sometimes a couple of hours of sleep. But yeah. otherwise, if he wasn't in such a sensory deprivation tank, even if he took the anaesthetic, um, any he would be woken up. Like anesthesia wasn't keeping him down. Wow, wowza! But it isn't a lack of sleep that causes death. It's just a horrible thing. It's um, it's a prion disease. Um, so like mad cow disease or Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease. Um, yeah. So it's caused by a mutation to the protein PRP. Um, causing it to become misfolded and when the misfolded protein comes into contact with a healthy prp that also becomes misfolded it's like Mm -hmm. a infectious protein oh Uh, prion diseases are really interesting i i did a i did a little um tiktok about mad cow disease recently if anyone's interested but basically the misfolded proteins cause the brain to atrophy and this uh, so which is a loss of neurons and this particularly happens in this disease in the thalamus which is involved in the sleep-wake cycle which is why you get this lack of sleep but yeah that's a i thought that was a very interesting if very grim look at the a lack of sleep yeah all of this or i mean that's the end of this part and i think it all comes down to strangely what i did what i talked about last week which is just out how i ended my section last week which is a complete lack of understanding of how the brain works (laughs) yeah sleep is so fascinating and there is so much more to be discovered about it and and i this is i think that um the approaches to sleep studies are still very psycho psychology based um Mm -hmm. and i and i hope to see in the future more like um neuroscience and psychology yeah. meeting each other that is happening but um it's definitely um 
we spent we've had decades and decades of more psychological based sleep research um whereas now i think it might be more interesting to look at like how what happens in the brain um during sleep and during lack of sleep um yeah particularly if it has similarities sleep deprivation has similarities to things like schizophrenia this is it's just so like yeah, like, because it, it, again, it's it's something we all do, right? So we're all familiar with it. And so we take it so much for granted. And then it has all these like wild properties where it has like distinct periods to it. But then it also, and then there's like a debt, but it's not, it's not like a quantitative debt. It doesn't function like that. And then it can damage you, but theoretically might not kill. It's like such a, it has, it's like a riddle, right? Like it it's, has all these strange properties to it and i think honestly like my one of my <laughs> main takeaways from all this is that like i wish society treated sleep with more <laughs> respect like we've been joking yeah. about about students and 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 and, and you know college mm -hmm. students and high school students but like it, it, it's very clearly serious and we like i almost i almost wish we like some of this information stuff i was like why aren't we learning about yeah. this or like why don't i know about this you know what i mean like it's it's if it if it is so potentially harmful to us if we don't give it and and also you know also like so many systems in like like school literally like like don't factor that in to what is the well-being of the students which should be the important thing that's it's that's so... a, yeah that's a really really good point um understanding the importance of sleep is not something i've ever been taught personally it's just something i've yeah. been interested in generally yeah. so um we all know that like we all know that it's kind of important right but i don't think that it can until you know learn about this kind of stuff you don't realize just how bad it can get yeah and how quickly as well yeah yeah and the other thing is just that like <laughs> You know, I feel like everyone listening to this is like, yeah, I wish I could get more sleep, yeah. right? But there are there are so many things in our in our lives and 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 expectations where we don't take it as seriously, and that's 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 um that's a shame. That's wild. Yeah. There you go. Um why don't we what happens if we don't sleep? Oh, everything bad, all of it. All bad. <laughs> uh, go go take a nap right now. You know, just do it to yourself. Look, go look after yourself. I mean, please. I mean, feel free to, but it won't help because not if you're you driving, need to not go. If you're driving, if you're listening to this while driving, don't take a <laughs> take a nap, which is a full cycle. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Take yeah. a take a ninety to one hundred and twenty minute nap. Um, if even if you're at work, do it right now. Do it right now. <laughs> you'll you'll oh, feel better. Just it's all twenty minute nap. I want to end on one final fact, which I couldn't think of anywhere to put in this, but dolphins go to sleep with half of their brains at a time. <laughs> I'm... They, sh they shut off they shut off one hemisphere of their brain to sleep i i am at a complete loss of words and also very jealous dolphins what? suck and this just makes me make, makes me think they suck more because i want to do that you know <laughs> what is that even uh. oh going to talk about stardew valley today before i get into the meat of it have either of you two played stardew valley before no but i have seen many tiktoks about it 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tommy, you similarly. I have played Harvest Moon. Oh! Which I believe is similar. Which is what the game is based on, yeah. Yeah. Or it's similar variants, Wait, what, what, yeah. What did you play it on? DS, I think. Oh, wow. I I have not played it myself. I have a handful of friends who adore it. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I tried to play it, but I didn't go enough to, like, sink my whole life into it like i know is very easy to do um and and like l i've seen enough tiktoks to know like um i'm supposed to throw shade at certain characters and, and adore <laughs> other characters yeah. so for those of you who haven't played stardew valley it's basically this adorable little uh role-playing game uh the premise of it is your grandfather has just passed away uh, and he's left you this dilapidated farm that you go and look after um you move in you form friendships with the people who live in Pelican Town, which is the town right next to where you live. Um, you can do farming, you can mine things, you can fish, you help fix the town hall. You can do things like fall in love and get married and have children. Um, if, you fi- if you complete tasks... Wait, wait, you, you can, can have children? Are you serious? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you can have little, little babies and stuff. Um, you can, like, fix the bus and go and hang out in a nearby desert and go and explore the mines there as well. It's, it's, it's an adorable little game. It's very in, so like, much. the same vein as things like Animal Crossings in my head or, like, Minecraft to an extent. It's, mm-hmm. it's nice. It's sweet. It's cute. So I was going to talk about how much I like this game because I, I really like this game. Um, I played it loads during lockdown. I am still obsessed with my first farm that I made. I'm like absolutely in love with it. And then I, I was doing some research for this uh, podcast and I found an article. It's published in 2018 by Stacey Ponder. Uh, and it reads, Stardew Valley is definitely a horror game. And I thought it was hilarious. Okay. So I'm going to talk about that instead. <laughs> oh. Is this about... Um, is this about mur- a murder? Is there, is there murder in this? Have no. I, I think I might have... Oh, okay, no, never mind. This is a completely different Reddit thing I'm getting crossed with. So my my notion of, of Stardew Valley is it's very chill. You, you, you farm, you play the little fishing minigame. Aren't there like these little like apple friends that are super yeah, cute? What are yeah. they called? Oh, I can't remember. Um, but yeah, there are these cute little spirits that will help you yeah. fix the community center and they give you gifts and things like Aww. that. Um, it's really, really sweet. And like reading this article, it's very funny. Some people took it very, very badly. <laughs> I was reading through Reddit afterwards and was like, oh, some people really don't like this article. Um, but I, I, I kind of love it. So I thought I would share it with you guys as well. So you can get through the first year of the game without noticing anything too weird. Apart from the ghosts and floating skulls and skeletons that hang out in the mines. Um, The weird wizard and his witchy ex-partner who hangs out on the outskirts of the town. uh, And the weird ghostly moaning you can hear every time it rains. You know, apart from that, it's it's a pretty normal game. That sounds really chill. Yeah, it's really chill. It's really fun. Um, Nothing weird at all. Uh, Also, the fact you can't leave. Ever. (laughs) You know, it's fine. It's fine. But the second year is where Stacey's theory comes in. Um, For those of you who haven't played it, there are events every year. I think there's four events at the end of every season, roughly. 
Um, and through the first year, you go and speak to everybody. They've all got this dialogue. Um, and you go and speak to them in the second year when they're doing the same events again. And they've got the exact same dialogue. Okay. <laughs> Is this a limitation of the game? No, 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 no. Of course it's not a limitation of the game. Because, you know, the game was produced by one person. It's obviously it's not a limitation of the game. What are you talking about? It's obviously that the trans people are stuck in a never-ending loop every year. Of course it is. Why are, hu- why are humans like this? Why are we like this? That we need to, like, find conspiracy in absolutely every element of... It's like, um... When people say that the Winnie the Pooh characters each represent a different, um, a different like, mental health, mental health dis- yeah. disorder, which is like so, everyone's people are like so convinced that that's real and it's just not real. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly the same thing. Tigger is bipolar disorder. Yeah. Eeyore is definitely depression. To be fair, Eeyore is, but <laughs> but that wasn't the intention. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's uh, that's apophenia, baby. We're finding patterns in more of the. Oh my god! It all goodness. comes round. Wow. Um. <laughs> now you can be that friend at the party. It's like, um, actually, it's called apophenia, and it's the phenomena where we. <laughs> Thanks, I hate it. I w- and I will be that friend, Tom. Trust me. <laughs> hey, hey, give me a random string of numbers, huh? <laughs> Didn't repeat any. You suck. <laughs> R- did repeat did repeat some you suck you su- <laughs> <laughs> anyway stardew valley um i said this earlier you can't leave i mentioned like you can fix the bus and everything uh you can go to a nearby desert you can't go anywhere else it's a little well, you bit you can't i mean have you played The Sims? You can't leave the town that you live in in The Sims. It's well, not like everyone's saying that The Sims is a horror simulation. <laughs> well, I bet there are people saying that The Sims is. is a horror simulation. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm deliberately making it that way. Um, there's also a train that passes through the town. The train never stops in the town, though. Dun, dun, dun. Obviously, it's a horror game. Not a limitation of the game. No. It's a horror game. I, 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 will, I will offer a defense of this. One, one, I think it's, it, I think, well, first of all, I think this is like a clever look into what we assume of video games, right? Yeah. Because like, there are certain things in video games where you, you just take them for granted where it's like, yeah, there's going to be like exposition and overly verbose exposition in the beginning. You know, there's going to be a tutorial of some sorts. And I, I do think that this does offer like a little like joking question into like, what do we assume in video games? like? Like, how much do we need to explain? And I will say, I think the other thing that's happening here is because when you were listing all the, like, things that you can do in this game, it's it's sort of approaching, like, the uncanny valley of video games, right? Like, in Tetris, I'm like, this isn't real life. It, it blocks are falling. I'm not, I'm not asking why I can't leave Tetris. But as you get closer and closer to mimicking reality, where, yeah. like, you have relationships with these people, you have a, there's, like, a literal, there's time in this game, right? Like, you have a set day, and if you, if you don't, you, you have to go to, to go to bed at the end of the day and then start the yeah. day again. You, it makes you go to sleep. As you get more and more realistic then you do have this uncanny valley where it's like, well... Then it feels weird that you can't leave these places and it feels weird that, like... <laughs> can't, can't do certain things. Yeah, you've nailed it on the head there. You brought up something really interesting there. Why can't you leave Tetris? Why can't the blocks... <laughs> uh, is, is Tetris a horror game? <laughs> more importantly, 
why can't I make the the teepees fall in love with me? That's the real question. I, I give it all these gifts and I can't. How do I romance the tea block? I'm just trying to, if anyone knows, please let me know. Um, and I'm going to tell you something now that, and I don't want you to ask me why I know this, but there is Tetris fan fiction. I, I just want to ask you why you know this. But I will respect <laughs> your wishes. Like, no, there, this is, I, this is, a safe place and I don't want to be kink shamed here. <laughs> um, please, Caroline, continue to tell us about Yeah, I I'm so ready. I'm the ready. Eagles for... of Stardew Valley. I'm all all on board now. Uh, um I I would like to add, just like on a final note, that this is all created, or at least initially when it was first created in 2016 was created by a person called Concerned Ape. They basically made this world on their own. So obviously these limitations They're the, are... the developers of the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, specifically, Eric Barone. Seriously? It's such a huge cult game. Yeah. I'm... So uh, just this one guy initially made it because the game that you mentioned earlier, Ella, I can't remember what you said. Um, Harvest Moon. It was basically... It was getting a bit shit. So he wanted something else, basically, <laughs> back in, like, 2012. Um, that's apparently how this game came into being. I can believe that. So, obviously, it, you could say, oh, it's all a limitation, because one person developed it to start <laughs> off with. No, 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 I prefer the horror game theory. Um, if that's not enough to convince you, there is a bit more. And it's not. <laughs> 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 to be clear um you remember earlier that i mentioned you can have children um so they never grow Do they? old they all remain being toddlers forever that's which is a little bit weird um everybody else stays the same age forever even though you do progress in time in years also if you don't like your child you can uh a witch will perform an ancient ritual that will turn <gasps> them into doves <gasps> The doves wow. will then fly away, and the That's rest of the cool. townsfolk will forget about the child. Um, I love that. <laughs> you can get divorced in the game, um, and your spouse or your ex-spouse will ignore you after you get a divorce. Um, if you're bored of this, ancient ritual it, um, and your spouse will forget that you were ever together, and you can get married to them again, because they'll have forgotten you entirely. Okay, we are. Th these are starting to actually get. It's getting quite, <laughs> yeah. quite dark to consider. It's a bit icky. Um, I mean, to be honest, that's about it. Apart from like the skulls and the mind and everything, are very full of monsters. The author of this original uh, article goes on to say that Pelican Town, Pelican Town, was built over a hellmouth, basically a gateway <laughs> to hell, possibly at the bottom of the mines. They don't back this up with any information. They're just like, it's a Hellmouth. Duh. Yeah. I love that. It's a classic, classic Hellmouth Brigadoon situation. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, that might, that, well, Hellmouths are very often in mines. The, the Hellmouth in Sabrina is in a mine. Is the one in Buffy in a mine? I'm pretty sure we can get there from a mine. I, don't, I think the whole town is a, is a Hellmouth in a it's sunny, Sunnydale, you know. <laughs> Hellmouths Hellmouth are a big feature of <laughs> media I watch. <laughs> you know, if you wander into a mine, you're probably going to find a Hellmouth. Probably. It's just, it's just how it works, right? These days, in this economy? Caroline, <laughs> in this economy, um, <laughs> what this makes me want is for someone to make this horror game. 
Yeah. Like, right. Um, I think like it has been... A, a, a farming game where slowly things are revealed to be not what they appear. Sounds very so good. Cool. Um, and all I think Concerned Ape are now going on to make a horror game. No. Or it's been highly requested of them. I'm pretty sure I saw an article recently where they were going to. So maybe we're going to get that. Also, Stardew Valley, you can play a lot of mods as well, which take on a lot of horror aspects. So in theory... You can make Stardew this game if you want it to be. Just like The Sims. I'm saying this is the parallels here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There are other theories as well. One is that the evil witch cursed the town and the wizard is trying to free everybody from this time loop. Um, Or that the wizard is the bad guy who's keeping everybody in a time loop for his own magical studies. Or you're the bad guy and you don't (gasps) know... I'm coming on to that. No. Have you seen um what have you seen WandaVision? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Huge spoiler alert. Huge spoiler alert. But she is although you could probably guess it's pretty odd, um, she's making the town using her powers, but she doesn't realise it because she's so traumatized. Yeah. Um and, and everyone's trapped in there and all the people there are trapped and they're like suffering. They're actively suffering and they want to be gone. It's very actually quite dark. And so maybe you're like her in Stardew. We will get on to that in a second, because I love that. Stardew Valley walked so WandaVision could fly. (laughs) (laughs) So another conspiracy theory, which is a pretty obvious one, is that you are the dead character. Um, Either you or everybody in the town is dead and you're all in purgatory. Mm. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This would explain why magic can exist in the world. Why the why, somebody mm. put, why the farmer doesn't need to pay rent or property taxes. Property taxes. <laughs> that was the piece of evidence that they supplied, and I loved that so much. Imagine. Um, or why the character, why your player can still communicate with Grandpa in the afterlife. So it's like, oh maybe... wait, you can still communicate with Grandpa. Well, that is that is sus. If you pay a diamond, you can. Yeah. To the farm, to the to, to the farming point, I will say you've avoided both taxes and death, which are the two unavoidables. So that's that's suspicious. <laughs> that is, um, yes, you're right. Exceptionally suspicious. <laughs> it's very sus. Um, we're moving on to the thing that Ella just brought up as well. There's a really fun post by Burrito Baz on Reddit. Uh, also, shout out to our Reddit, r slash Let's Learn Everything. Come hang out with us there. Um, Wait, did I said, uh, did uh, did one of you make that? I think Tom did. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if people actively use it. You can stop. I, I think. I think you're going to push this now. Um, today's the day. <laughs> <laughs> we have like two members on the uh, Let's Learn Everything Reddit, and one of them is me. <laughs> I but the, the the Discord's where it's at. I I only have one Reddit account. Which is so deeply entrenched in shit that I will not be following that subreddit. <laughs> Tetris fan fiction. <laughs> and worse. And worse, my friend. Oh. Um, so Burrito Baz essentially says that your character is the bad guy. Um, you rampage into people's homes, look through their stuff, you hoard the wealth and resources of the village, you bully children out of winning the events. Things like this, to the point oh where, God. like, wow. you're a pretty terrible person, yet everybody around you cannot help but fall in love with you because you just somehow know what the best gifts gifts are to give them. This reminds me of points make about any protagonist in any video game, which is, like, yeah. Link in, in Zelda, 
who goes around, runs into houses and smashes all of the the vases in the house. Or like just any protagonist who's got in a, yeah. in a first person shooter game, you're going around looting through people's homes and stealing yeah. their stuff. And everyone's just stood there, there passively waiting like, for you oh, to okay, take their yeah. things. There's um a a phenomena in 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 sort of game design called ludo narrative dissonance, which is where the mechanics and the story don't align. So like in a game like Uncharted, which is supposed to be sort of like a you know like a whimsical uh, Indiana Jones like game, you will spend a level like shooting a thousand people to death and then the next scene you'll be like hey what's up guys and it's like the the, right and so you have this misalignment with like people being like yeah you have to give the player all this agency but then when you think about what that implies about the character that they are like this person that like literally defies death and has superpowers basically it's like that sometimes that doesn't line up it doesn't Mm -hmm. it's it's strange when you yeah that kind of that's kind of the end of my thing um it's all pretty silly and a lot of the responses to uh the kotaku article that i originally found was very very negative on reddit especially um (laughs) but i don't know how to eloquently say this yeah Yeah. exactly um to me i think it speaks about how loved the game is that people are looking at these little things and that's for any game that has these theories around it is like once you've created a community of people that are going through the law so much, um, you know yeah. you've had a meaningful impact on people by then. And I think that's really, really cool. So maybe don't be so harsh on articles like this, because it's just a symbol of how much people love it. And that's for any game, basically. That's my final note. That's a great point. I, I agree. It, it, any, if you're willing to put that much thought into mm-hmm. a game... It, it, I don't know, it speaks to the human, the human spirit yeah. to find things in things they love, right? It's, it's, so, yeah. it's very sweet, I think. And now developers play into that by putting that law in there for people Ex- to find. Oh, that's great, yeah. And, and I think that's really cool, yeah. Like, I, um, I, I watch a TV show called Succession, I'm absolutely obsessed with it, and um, I, I, this YouTube video came up on my uh, feed a couple of days ago which is why succession which is about rich people being assholes is secretly about the in the environment and i watched it and it was like (laughs) (laughs) wow (laughs) and i watched it and it was so good (laughs) it's like yeah wow sure why not (laughs) oh my god i love this is what people are like what what's the word called tom again the ran is it ludo narrative no looking for um patterns oh apophenia apophenia this is like an extent it's like an extension of apophenia i i I also i think it's so interesting from a from a a game developer perspective i I think like um Mm -hmm. uh what's it called yeah you know like uh bioshock was one of the first games that sort of like makes you question like the actions that you take for granted in games and 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 this this exercise is like it's like yeah how what yeah i I think it's Bioshock's so good. Oh, I was good. Final note is like things like that dumb pressure washer game that everybody started playing recently has hidden lore in it now. And I'm like, what is this? I don't know what this is. I don't know what this game is. Am I old? Um, I'm pretty sure Markiplier played (laughs) it. And it's literally like this dumb little pressure washer game where people are like, 
washing their car and stuff like that. And then Game Theory did this whole video on how <laughs> everybody's next to a volcano and is slowly dying based on the level of grime that was building up on these cars. <laughs> it was like That's this so hidden funny. stuff in it. But yeah, I, I just love stuff like that. I think it's really funny. People always want to find lore in video games. Like, yeah. so funny. And it's it must be so fun for the developers to add that in to dumb games like the pressure washer game or what was it the ah oh, the game about music i can't remember what it is but yeah all of these games have really really dumb hidden bits of lore in it that the developers must really really enjoy and i'm sure it's the same for stardew valley that they just love putting it in so that's also a really nice thing yeah. to see the community is like part of the game at a certain point yeah it's a really nice yes. note to end it on everyone thank you so much <laughs> All right, so do we have any plugs or shout-outs? I have a a big old shout-out for... I got some really great feedback on the podcast recently and fed that back to Caroline and Tom. And uh, I, I want to particularly shout-out Matthew Fainer, who gave me really great feedback. He, um, I think he's at Matthew Fainer on uh, Twitter, and he does like really great blog posts about um, science and stuff. Um, and he talks about how TikTok science is like, going to change the face of science and he's very convincing um wow <laughs> and he's done interviews with loads of great tiktoks um science people and is and it's really interesting so go and check him out on twitter weird. let me check my let me check my my inbox i haven't huh weird hmm. <laughs> must not be all the great tiktok because i haven't gotten i haven't gotten an email that's weird don't anyway. you have enough already tom <laughs> <laughs> let the rest of us have something okay I want to give a, a quick shout out uh, to Seattle Monkey Boy, who left us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, they said, uh, these three scientists take turns talking about what they enjoy, science, and in a really fun and accessible way. So sit back and relax and see where their conversations take you. I can assure you, it's no place boring. Smash that pod button. <laughs> Smash that pod button! <laughs> Oh, thank you so much. That's wonderful. That's very kind. Oh, my goodness. Is that going to be our catchphrase? Smash <laughs> that, that pod button. button? It's oh, slowly no. becoming. We started off saying it ironically, and now it's becoming a thing. <laughs> that was our I'm mistake. I'm so mad at it. <laughs> uh, so thank you, Seattle Monkey Boy. Great, great handle. And also, yeah, you can leave us a, a review on our podcast. It helps us a lot, and it's very, very sweet to read. Um, I will do a shout-out to the socials this week. We are on all of them. <laughs> We are <laughs> literally all of them. Please follow us on somewhere. I think what you should do is go to let's learn everything pod.com and everything is on there. Our TikTok, our Twitter, our Instagram, the email address you should email on if you have any questions or any um complaints <laughs> if we if we said something or wrong. Any feedback or any ideas for the podcast as well. Something positive too, you know. Um, yeah. my cash app is <laughs> I, I'm kidding, we don't have that here. But my Monzo number. No, I'm kidding. Haha, <laughs> 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 Tom got one of those jokes, Caroline got the other. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, please join the Discord um, from the webpage and come and join us in conversations you can ask us questions you can talk to others about the podcast or about science in general it's very very fun otherwise i am big underscore science underscore energy big science energy on tiktok ella hubber on twitter 
and none of your business anywhere else. <laughs> uh, I am caroline.roper.art on TikTok and Instagram, and I am Caroline the Bug pretty much everywhere else as well. And I'm Tom Lum Person on all those places. So, if that's everything, today we've learned about randomness and how, how silly and fun and strange it can be and how hard it is for humans to do. Uh, we've learned how, how critically important it is to sleep. My mom's going to be very happy to hear this episode. She's been telling me that for, for my whole life. Um, and we've learned that, uh, 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 Stardew Valley is, is very secretly a cryptically dark game. Uh, no, we've learned that it, 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 it's, it's, uh, uh, fun and interesting to, to sort of, uh, think about games in that way. Uh, and it, and it means that we love them. Uh, and you can join us next time where we will learn about everything. Let's Learn Everything is independently produced and hosted by Ella Hubber, Tom Lum, and Caroline Roper. Editing and music by the wonderful and talented Tom Lum. Oh no. Tom has just gone. Oh. Um, Tom really hates Stardew Valley. Tom's just like, fuck this shit. Oh, we can talk shit about Tom right now yeah and he'll find out later smells and i know that because i can smell him all the way across the atlantic oh my god boom (laughs) i have no idea what happened i'm so sorry that was very strange that was bizarre